Our next guest is Angus Hewson. His business is Wine Pilot, and they've just held the uh, the first Australian um, zero wine, zero alcohol wine show. So let's hear the story. Good morning to you, Angus. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we both this morning? Going well, mate. Thank Great, you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Excellent. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, so let's let's chat about. Um, well, firstly, why don't you tell us what is Wine Pilot, um, and then let's let's hear about. Um, how you came up with the uh, with the zero alcohol wine show? Yeah, sure thing. I mean, wine pilot. I started wine pilot about a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, because I just felt that um, the wine media needed a bit of a shake up. I think we we are a, we're an industry that that really needs to talk to a, a broad consumer base. We need to talk to people at the high end who who are interested in premium wine, but also kind of people who are interested in, I guess, everyday wine. So I launched Wine Pilot. It's, I guess it's like a broadsheet for drinks, I guess, is the concept. And mm-hmm. I, I, brought to, I brought together a lot of my, I guess, friends and colleagues, wine writers, both established but up and coming to, I guess, just provide another platform you know, to talk about wine, um, to communicate wine, to provide wine reviews and scores, and to, but to, just to do it in a way that, that is not just super highbrow. Like I write for the Australian newspaper as well about wine and that's in Wish magazine. So that's all highbrow. And we just talk about the best of the best from around the world. But um, I think there's absolutely a place that, that the wine media is missing for just mainstream communication, telling stories in an authentic way, but in a way that connects with a vast audience. Um, so, you know, I've got, you know, there's, you know, including the pilots of people like, uh, you know, longstanding print journalists such as, you know, myself and Ray Jordan and Ken Gargett and Jenny Port. Um, but I also, I'm also just as interested as, as in adding younger voices. So, you know, Annette Lacey, you know, recent um, graduate from the Master of Wine program, Nicole Bilson down in Melbourne, Shante, um, Shante Boyle, you know, heads in a key restaurant. So just, just trying to provide a, really a, a new modern voice, I guess, to the wine mm. media. Mm, yeah, that, that's um, certainly uh, there's there is a place for it, hundred percent. Yeah, oh, well, and and just because of things like social media, and I, I guess TikTok's the next thing now. I mean, Instagram's going to be changing its platform a little bit going forward, but you know, people are consuming so much media on their phones. It's the great way to communicate. Mm. Yeah, and and also we are we're all about being a a free platform for consumers. I think the sub, the subscription model. It, it does work, but it, it's increasingly challenged, I think, in a modern media landscape, especially when you're talking about younger consumers. Yeah. So we've purposefully gone away from that. And, and that, you know, that alone allows us to generate great traffic. It allows us to have a really high, you know, average Google ranking on our pages. Um, and, and so for people who are, you know, for, for brands who send us wines, we... Um, we provide them with with reviews and content in a short period of time by the right kind of um, you know the right kind of writers for their audience, but on a platform that if people search for it, they can find it really easily and they don't have to pay for it. Yeah, I I reckon it's a really interesting and important thing to provide 
young wine consumers because we're losing wine consumers to other categories Absolutely. all the time. Absolutely. To, to give them an opportunity to ask what I call the dumb questions because mm. the dumb questions are always the best questions. And I've, I always ask dumb questions because I, <laughs> I, I, I want to know the answers to things. And yeah. they, I think people feel overwhelmed in this industry sometimes by, you know, big wine lists and, you know, really complicated things. And we, we can just make it easier for them. Yeah, that's yep. key. I, and language too. I think I think language is a really important thing in terms of, I mean, you know, the traditional wine tasting note, somehow that has become the basis of wine marketing yeah. in this country. And they are those notes were traditionally designed to be written by winemakers to talk to proprietors about what a wine tasted like. They were never meant to be marketing and i actually think it's a bit lazy Mm. on the part of the wine media and the wine industry to basically just say we're just going to we are just going to throw these technical jargoned words which professionals know what they mean yeah but consumers but consumers would not know that you know the difference in a lot of the language we use and and it's it's wasted and why do you what you know wine consumption in australia had dropped 10 percent per capita in the last 10 years Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yep. 10%. I mean, the wine, the volume of sales hasn't changed that much because we've had immigration and, you know, and various other factors. But per capita consumption has dropped 10% in 10 years. We have a, an extraordinarily, I mean, I, you know, I live in the inner west of Sydney and about, um, it was the, it was the second lockdown. So it was, was coming out. So it was about, it was about a year ago or something like that. And I went to Newtown, which is just up the road from my house and I saw all these, um, you know, young college students, um, mainly women, coming out and going to like a bar, and I just thought, uh, and I, you know, it reminded me of myself, to be honest. And I just, and I just sat there, and I just thought, these these people are gonna, they're gonna be so happy. You know, a lot of them were college students. They're gonna be so happy. They're out of the country. They're back in the city. They are just gonna, you know, get stuck in tonight. And I saw them order one cocktail each. This is me, young men, young women, eighteen to twenty. One cocktail, sit on it for three or four hours. Wow! Yeah. And this and this is and this is in Newtown. <laughs> this is you know this is in Newtown. This is college students. This yeah. is if the wine industry is not is not connecting with these people, yeah, we're in, we're then in trouble. We have a significant problem yeah. essentially, we, and, and a, which is sorry. I was just have we we had a bit of a crack at a, at Dan Murphy's with our decoded wine awards to try and take some yep. of the jargon yep. out of it, but it's Absolutely. still. You know, it's still really hard when you get trained in as a wine professional. They're Absolutely. asking you to find seven different smell descriptors of a wine. And I'm like, man, what, why do I have to look for this yeah. amount of stuff in it? Can't yeah. I just talk about it? This reminds me of drink it while you're doing, hey, I'd like to, it, mm. it's a song or it's a feeling or. Yeah. The, the interesting thing too, in a, in a, before I jumped into the wine media and wine retail, I actually did a PhD on wine tasting at the University of Sydney. Right. Um, 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, basically, humans cannot actually correctly detect more than two flavour descriptions. <laughs> that that actually is the science. It was actually done at the University of New South Wales. That yeah. actually is the science. Yeah. Once you start to get to three to four, your imagination is taking over. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. And you're trying to come up with great new uh, funky things to describe wines. And for me, I just like, mate, here's what you need to ask yourself with a wine. Do you like it? Yeah, is it yum? <laughs> do you want to do you want to drink it again? Can you afford it? Yep. There are three questions yep. that you need to ask yourself. That's I think I also the way I look at wine also is I look at it very much through occasion. 
I think. Mm. Like, I, th- I think we, there's, for me, that's a good way to describe a wine. Is this a, you know, is it a barbecue wine? I mean, you know, my experience, I remember, you know, I, I moved to the UK to study wine and I, and I managed to get down the south of France and I bought this like two euro rosé from the side of the road in Provence. And sitting on the on the Mediterranean with a hot sun on your back with a, with a little bit of, with a baguette, there was no better wine in the world. Mm, no, of course. Um, yeah. And I, I, bought, I bought a six-pack of it. I brought it back to my crappy house in lunch unit in London, yeah. and it was the most horrendous bollocks I've ever <laughs> yeah. put in my mouth. <laughs> but, but in but, that situation, it was yeah, totally absolutely. different. Yeah. And I think about... And talking about, you know, you know, Dan's wines, I mean, something like, you know, Little Arrogant Frog Wines, yeah. they are great little Monday night, something a bit, something a bit interesting, something a bit engaging, yeah. something with a bit of flavour. It doesn't, it, do, it doesn't break the bank. And, mm. and, and you, but you don't want to think about it. You're, you're exactly. watching, you know, you're watching Bloody Married at First Sight or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you there, know, yeah. there, there are wines for drinking and there are wines for correct. thinking. So. Yeah, your brain's already turned off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Angus, when you say that, it, it, it sort of in a way um, empowers people to, to buy those cheap and cheerful wines and not correct. be um, – Embarrassed, I guess, or you know, there's That's no right. judgment. It's actually this no. is the right tool for this job, you know. No judgment yep. at all. No. No. And no, I agree. And I, like, I think that we we're we are elitist in this industry. Mm. We we only want to, you know. And I, I, you know, I two weeks ago I was like luckily one of the few people invited to Penfolds to taste the new 2018 Grange, which is unbloody believable, by the way. Mm. But that that moment though. Is is uh, it's relevant to a very small number of people, and whatever I write about that will be relevant to a small number of people. But um, actually, I actually personally, and I think my retail background actually comes into a lot of this stuff. I actually really like finding a fantastic ten buck wine. Oh, I, I absolutely! Gen- I genuinely, I gen- People say to me, "What's your favourite wine?" I say, "Look, if I can, if I can," t- and I got little bit of technical knowledge about wine. If I can see a 10 buck wine and I can see how someone's kind of crafted it to make it at a price point and it delivers, I am super happy to absolutely get behind that wine 100%. And it's the same thing in like the zero alcohol thing. Like they taste different, yes, and and they're different styles and all that kind of thing. But it is a very relevant product to an, an emerging market and I've had a bit of criticism this week, which I, can, to be honest, I completely expected from the wine industry. I've had some criticism this week, but why would you bother with a zero alcohol wine show? And I'll tell you why. Because by 2030, it's going to be 10% of wine volume in Australia. And we as an industry, you know, need to actually move with the times um, and innovate. And, and we also, when people are innovating, we need to not look down on them as mm. not being real winemakers. Um, maybe on that point, um, referring back to your earlier point about um, you know Newtown and these these uni guy, guys and girls um, sitting on one cocktail for for you know an hour or two hours or whatever, three hours. Yeah. So so therefore maybe they're just not wanting as much alcohol and therefore yep. to sit over you know two or three glasses of zero alcohol wine may well suit them really. You know, perfectly. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we, we're seeing we're seeing the the you know the the core of this is a move to wellness. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I see it. I see it in. I see it everywhere. 
it's you know you see the amount of people going to the gym these days the amount of kind of you know people wearing lycra as they're walking around um you know people's people's talking about diet and that kind of thing this is not just young people this is everybody everyone is looking to lead a better life to to lead a healthier life um and that's and that's it i also think social media is a huge part i think instagram i think people i don't want to look at like when they're 60, they think they're still going to be on Instagram and they don't want to look like they've had, you know, 20 bottles of wine every week for 40 <laughs> years kind of thing. So I think there's a, there's a whole, there's a whole, the society is changing in a, in a huge amount of ways and it's, and it's a big challenge for the, for the liquor industry. But the thing is, when, when people like us, when we talk about wine, we talk about what's in the bottle. And we, you know, Rich, you talked about, you know, the flavour descriptions and, and that's all completely relevant. Um, but you know, for a lot of people, that's not what wine is about. A glass of wine at the end of the day is a celebration of finishing, of being at home and being relaxed. And people don't care what they're drinking. I know I, it's anathema. I, I know a, a lot of people find this really hard to explain. Let me, let me give you, let me provide an example. So Irene Sarconi, she is um, the woman behind Sands Drinks. So the first retailer dedicated to low and zero she's got her first store she's got a store in the northern beaches in sydney in freshwater and she's that built that business is building quite nicely and i said to her i said who's coming in and I, my assumption was she's going to get all these 20 to 25 year olds stacking up on the cases of this stuff and it was it's that's wrong it's not who it is it's actually 40 plus year olds who will drink normal wine on a friday night or let's not say normal wine let's say standard wine on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they still want that moment. They still want that relaxing moment, and they will just reach for a bottle of non-alcoholic wine over a bottle of alcoholic wine on those days. And the, the thing about what that shows us is the group of people who are drinking this, they aren't that, they aren't that concerned about what's in the bottle. It's much the experiential side of wine mm. is is important to them. Yeah, I mean we we it, we've actually started a non-alcoholic bar as well down in the Hamptons, yep. the, the, so yep. which I never thought I never thought I'd see. But having said that, <laughs> I've I've been I spent three years living in Sweden and Sustembolaget yep. and in Norway yep. in Monopoly. I mean they, these guys have been doing this for years. Yep. Mm. Yep. Correct. It's, and and. We as, a, we as a country, actually, the interesting thing is I think we are the Kiwis, the crafty Kiwis, they have been researching this category for a decade. They have viticultural stations who have been doing experiments on trellising, you know, um, canopy management, yields, et cetera, et cetera, in order to make zero alcohol wine. Mm. So let's... Let's have a chat about the show then. You had nearly yep. 50 entries. Um, yep, we did. And, uh, you know, every wine, obviously, is, is zero alcohol. Um, yep. Now, navigate us to, you know, to you know, a point where we can understand, you know, obviously some varietals are going to be better at this than others yep. um, and yep. some styles. So um, yep. was the winning right. wine... Given it's non-vintage, must be a sparkling, yep. is it? No, 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 no. Ara, oh. it's Ara Malbrasev. Right. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I haven't asked them about what the process is there, particularly um, about whether 
whether they just potentially don't want to label it as a vintage. Mm-hmm. Potentially, I mean, think about think about you know NB champagne and sparkling. You know, the idea is that the style will be a consistent style, and mate, I, I I haven't asked them why, but yes, it was a, it well, no, it was Ara, excuse me, Ara Mold Zero Mold Sauvignon Blanc. So just it's a set blanc, but from not just one vintage, it's across. It seems to be. I mean, it yeah. seems to be. Yeah, or it's just a marketing decision sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, they don't. It's so, you know the fifteenth. So if you if you uh, is Ara is it a Marlborough um, produced yep, yep. wine? So okay, it's, so, it's Geeson. So it's Geeson. Okay. It's Geeson Group. They own. They have two brands, Geeson and Ara. So if you tasted the normal Geeson that everyone knows and yep. this Ara side by side, yep. what difference yep. are you are we going to see? Okay, so alcohol is a, is a textural element in wine. Okay, it it provides texture. It provides mouthfeel. So you don't have the kind of the extract you don't have that feeling of extract um you also obviously don't have the warmth for it it tastes it tastes a bit more watery mm-hmm. to be honest um but i re if it, if you would and m- most marlborough sauvignon blanc is tr- you know is drunk out of the fridge at 12 degrees i think if you drank this out of the out of the fridge at 12 degrees you'd sense it was different but not particularly different yeah, right. and they and, and yeah it really they are they are quite similar um, and the textural elements our perception of textural elements kind of changes with temperature mm. um, so I think about if you have a full body red wine where it's cold it doesn't seem as full bodied mm. kind of thing so so I think that that temperature helps to reduce the the loss of texture that's called and it probably helps with Sauvignon Blanc as a style that they Tends to be a little bit of residual sugar in a lot of those grapes, yep. those those exactly. styles anyway, right? So people exactly. are kind of used a, to that. Absolutely, and it's a um, it's a, you know it's a balance between sweet and sour yeah. in in those wines, I think. But the thing is, we we also the judges were top class judges. They were you know PJ Charteris, who's been chairman of numerous wine shows, ex chief winemaker of Brokenwood, you know Annette Lacey, master of wine, Matt Dunn. Um, has won the Australian Sommelier of the Year award when he was at Aria Restaurant, um, so you know, and a, and a handful of other people as well. So we, we really had. I mean, Max Allen came. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw Max. Max was up in the fin- in the Financial Review, um, which you can see that article now. And he was, as I think we all were, pleasantly surprised with how well the top wines um, presented on the day. And we we were tasting as traditional wine judges, but with an eye to uh, tasting it within class and within style. Mm. Do, do we find that they're on the whole going to be sweeter or is that, does that not follow necessarily? It's not It's not really following, to be honest. I think I have, people don't really like too sweet a no, wine. I think. And, yeah. these are, and the price point is 15 to $20. So these are not, you know... They, there was some there was some sweetness in some wines, but it, it wasn't something that's, that really stood out hugely. Mm. Yeah, so the the brief that you gave to the judges, I think, is the most important thing with a wine show because it's always yep. a, it's a reflection of who's judging and what they're told to judge for. Absolutely. So can you let us in a little bit on, um, you said yeah, class sure, sure. and that, but, I mean, get, can yep. we get, go into a few more specifics? Because you, yeah, can, no. you can't compare a, a dealkalized Tempranillo with a regular one. You've got to put it, you've yep. got to compare it with other dealkalized wines, right? Yeah, to be honest, we did, I mean, PJ 
you know, I really wanted TJ involved with this because he's he's very highly respected and he's and we we had a we didn't actually need to discuss this very often. Yeah. He I I basically said, look, I want us to I want us to judge kind of in class and accept that these wines are going to be different, but also um, we want we need to make sure for these results to stand up, we need to make sure that there's not a huge deviation. Essentially, yeah. so it yeah. it absolutely was not give these guys a, a, a you know an open slate. I mean, you can see by the results, there was one silver medal out of forty nine wines. Mm. Like we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, you know, go. We didn't try and you know say that this category is amazing and the wines the best ever. This was a little bit of a test, but essentially it was judge as you would, you know, normally, um, just take into account, just be aware of that these wines are a different style and make sure that you're not marking things down because of the style. Make yeah. sure we're only we're only marking things down if the wine is, you know, not in good condition. Yeah, but with I, the quality. You know, I'm, absolutely. And I'm I'm really we you know I mean, you know, Max is a Max Allen, he's a you know, he's a he's a Traditionally, has been a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to wine, and I was I wasn't I wasn't concerned, but I was I was really interested in what his take was going to be, and his take in the Fin Review article yesterday was very positive. Mm. Essentially, it was very positive. It was like, look, these wines, there is a there's a there's a reason for them. They're doing well, and um, and uh, we're yeah again as I said, we're all, we were all pleasantly surprised i mean there, there were some complete dogs in there like there there, there were but there, there's people playing around this category who aren't really wine professionals no, so no. there's so we've got some we've got some people who are like i'm going to create a brand and i'm going to make yeah. some juice and i'm going to see how it goes and they don't have the years of kind of training and that kind of thing mm. but um at the big companies you can see they have and they and they understand the technology like they these guys use the technology for other things so they have a good understanding of technology but you could see they've actually spent a lot of time thinking about the style refining the style um in order to make a wine that is vinous and that's that's a real key for the best wines they had to be vinous they had to they had to taste like wine they had to have character they had to have complexity they had to have, you know power they had to have length we look all the traditional things we were looking for, but just through slightly different coloured glasses. Yeah, I think I think we're lucky. The bigger producers are lucky that they've had wines in all these monopoly markets for years, because for them it was a way of advertising wines on a bus shelter, Jacobs Creek Unvined. They could they could advertise it on the on the train or in a magazine and get around the advertising laws. So they've they've been doing this for a long time, and I think you know, didn't one of those one of the Jacobs Creek wines did quite well yep. in the comp. But, oh, actually, both of them did. Yep. The, the, so so. And both of them are Riesling. Yeah. So there's well, a, spark, a sparkling Riesling. Yeah. And, 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 and what, what I think, you know, potentially I think the most interesting part, of, and my mind is still going through it, to be perfectly frank, and I think we all are because it was something new we've never done before. So my mind is still going over the results of that kind of thing. But what, what I've kind of come to is this is actually a, a little bit exciting for the wine trade because the rules change when you take out alcohol mm. and we and to be honest sparkling riesling you know alcoholic is just you know it's almost my worst enemy you know it's just not it's not i mean i don't mind zect and stuff like that but it's just not it's not my thing because i just think alcohol plus sweetness plus riesling plus the pungency of riesling it all it all it's a bit of a fruit salad for me and i can't get my head around it yeah. whereas i think when you took that alcohol out of that 
out of sparkling Riesling. It was strongly varietal, mm. which is a, obviously a big tick. Yeah. Um, it had uh, it, the, the freshness, obviously. Okay, that's good. A bit of sweetness. We know Riesling doesn't mind a bit of sweetness. Okay, well, it's quite a light-bodied variety. Okay, and taking that alcohol away took away that pungency. So yeah. it actually became a really just fresh, you know, light, vibrant, fruity wine mm, kind of does. thing. And yeah. we, uh, yeah, and, and literally all of us went, all of us went, we kind of looked at ourselves and we went, have we just, have we just, is, did we just give a winner to a sparkling Riesling? <laughs> <laughs> did we? Did we actually? Did we actually do this? You know, Matt Dunn, head familiar at Aria for a long time. Did, did I just? Did, yes, and we were all. But I. T- but I'll be. I'll be perfectly frank with you too. Um, there are wine judges, and there are wine judges, and yeah. the people I. The people I chose were open mind professional. Yeah. Um, people who understand premium, but also don't. You know, don't dismiss everyday wines. Mm. Uh, people who are open to, you know, just seeing new things, and people who were willing to to go with it in a way and and open up their mind to it rather than just turn up and go. I've judged a million wine shows. This is how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Out kind of thing. So we so, but not. I mean, they weren't particularly young. You know, Tony loves obviously young, <laughs> but um, but it was a really it was a, we actually had a really good time. And everyone we had a we, we had a beer afterwards and went. That was actually pretty good. Let's yeah, do it did, again next year. Did and you then, have a, a non-alcoholic zero. beer? Though? <laughs> That's the question. Uh, there was, there was, there was the odd, there was, there was the odd non-alcoholic Sorry, beer. But as a, as a no, it's like as I said to after the awards ceremony on Wednesday night, I, I, you know, I'd gone non-alcoholic the whole time, and then I just, I just had an IPA to finish, and someone said, "What are you doing?" I said. You can't be an island forever, surely. <laughs> <laughs> um, Angus, the, uh, if, if you're looking at reds and whites, does this work equally for reds as it does for whites, or is it sort of leaning more into the, the you know whites leading the charge? Yeah, look, I, I think look, I, to be honest, I think it's really early days to make a call like that. Okay. Um, I think we're just getting our heads around the technology. Um, as I, as I said. Um, at the moment, we're still working. When people are making wines, I think they're still working in the rules of traditional winemaking and styles. And and I think uh, the exciting part of this is actually some of the rules are going to be broken and make really good wines in the non-alcoholic sectors. Things we'd never do um, in the in the alcoholic sector are going to work in the non-alcoholic sector. So at the moment, um, I think that uh, you know full-bodied reds and whites are, are less successful. Than more aromatic whites, and um, and I think that I think the chillable bistro red category could be huge. Mm. Uh, I think that I mean we all know that that's that's actually you know one of the most exciting retail categories at the moment is that Beaujolais you know light to medium weight, slightly lighter alcohol, kind of just just fun wines, fun. Mm. You know, they don't need to be juvie. They can be serious wines, but they're just kind of gluggable, kind of easy drinking, lighter tannin wines. Um, my gut feel is that could be really very, very good spot for, um, for uh, you know, zero and low to mm. be in. Uh, and that brings uh, me to my, my next question. So if you're talking sure. about zero and very low, would you consider yeah. expanding the show to low alcohol Absolutely. wines as well, sort of under 8%, something like that? Absolutely. No, no, absolutely. Look, the plan is the plan. This year was really a test run, yeah. to be honest. I didn't know. I, I, 
I, I, do, I have a good hand on the category, but I don't, I don't say I'm an expert in the category. So I really was like, are people going to want to send their wines in? Sometimes mm. big brands don't want to send their wines to shows. Yeah. I'm like, who's going who's gonna to be there? Who's going to send it? You know, we're putting a bit of money into this, so we, we, we don't want to hire a venue for four days and we have one day of tasting yeah. kind of thing. You know, we flew up some judges and that kind of thing. So, um, so, but I think I've had a number of, I've had all the sponsors have said, Angus, we love this. We are in as long as you want to do this. So yeah. that's one thing. I've also had a large Australian wine region basically say, we love this. We want to be a big sponsor of this. You tell us what you need next year. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd hate for you to miss out on the categories like piquettes or something like that. Too, oh, no, because... absolutely, no, no, absolutely. No, no, I'm, I'm not. We're absolutely across it. I just thought yeah. zero was a nice place yeah, to start. Yeah, good spot to start, it's for just sure. A, it's, a, it's, it's probably the it's, – it's and I – I, I don't mind a bit of controversy, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I, I don't mind. I don't mind mixing up the wine trade and, and yeah. making it a bit uncomfortable for the wine trade occasionally. So, and I, I I think you know it's it's the category that the wine trade I think is least least um, you know most worried or well, not worried about, but they're the least comfortable with. Yeah. Let's say. Yeah, that's a so good I way really of want expressing to, it. I just really want to start, and it was a small category. Once you get to, you know, low, your, your numbers start to, you know, yeah. really go through the roof. No, fair so enough. So I just mm. wanted to trial it. I, you know, I got a little bit of sponsorship. I didn't want to take too much money from people. This is, very importantly, this is not a money-making exercise in any way, shape, or form. This is, as you know, as some wine shows are, this is literally a, the industry needs this. Yeah, like a service no one, to the industry in yeah. a way. Absolutely. Yeah. And no one else is going to do it. Like, I've, I'm, as a, as a wine writer... I, I personally go out and say, send me low alcohol stuff and zero alcohol stuff because I am a, you know, commercially I know how vital it is and I don't mind tasting stuff. It doesn't take that much time out of my day to taste these wines mm-hmm. and, and give feedback. And the, the whole wine show system and the critic system was set up for, you know, critics and judges to give feedback to wineries to help them make their styles better. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't to help critics drink great wine every day. We, we're, we're there to we're there to service the industry, mm. kind of thing. And and no one really want no one really wants to talk about this stuff in the in I guess the traditional critic circles. Mm. Uh, you know, actually they want to make fun of it pretty regularly. So um, I just think I think it's a good place to start. I'm absolute. Yes, absolutely. Now I can now I can see that sponsors are behind it. Now I can see wineries behind it. I'm absolutely all over making this bigger, but. That that could that will mean next year it's a proper show with hundreds, you know, three or four hundred entries. It'll yeah. it'll end up it'll go from being a tiny show to being one of the biggest shows in the country. <laughs> mm. oh, look, well yeah, done, fantastic, well it's, done. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's Thank awesome you. to, you know, um, expose you know this, this category that people really. You know, start from a point of why would you? You know, mm. and then once yeah. you do, then obviously. You know, there's some surprising um, wines out there. So, and I think yeah. the, the zero beer category is is only going to help you with the zero wine. Um, Absolutely. One know. one one thing I'd say too is the commercial opportunity here, for you know, for for Australia globally is unbelievably huge. Let's 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 you know be honest. Australian wine is actually in a little bit of a you know commercially in a little bit of a dark place right now. Okay, we have obviously what's happening in China. I spoke to people, I spoke to quite powerful people in the UK. The shipping problem is basically meaning some importers in the UK are going to say, 
these are big importers too. They're going to say, don't send Australian wine this year because we don't know when it's going to arrive. We don't know what the cost is going to be. Um, whereas if we're buying wine from France and Italy, we can basically just you know go to Calais and fill a truck and get it over. Mm-hmm. So we have the China, potentially this global shipping issue could be bigger problem for China. Bigger, I should say, a bigger than problem China, yeah. than, than China. Yeah. Exactly. So wow. we, we have immense headwinds. We have consumers, I think after drinking a lot during COVID, you know, and I'm, the retail figures are looking pretty soft this year in a lot of different places. People are drinking less. Um, you know, this is, I mean, zero and low is not a quick fix, but we have, you know, the most populous Muslim nation 100 kilometres north of Australia, right? Um, zero alcohol beer is going through the roof in Indonesia. Yeah, what well, do you it's, think? It's it's huge here. We, <laughs> we get um, correct. No, exactly. Yeah, but they're big market right on our doorstep. Yeah, correct. Think about. Million. I mean, in absolutely, India's India's a different. It's a different kettle of fish. It's, it's different, but uh, it seems like Indonesia seems more willing as a country to kind of engage with with because they don't have the spirits history of kind of India, I think. So hmm. there's a, there is, like, if Australia can do this, you know, and I, I literally, there's, there's growers in the Riverina and the Riverland who are going to really struggle for the next decade to survive because of, because of globally what's happening in the wine world. They need a category. They need a, they need a new market or a new category. Um, and, this fits in so many ways, you know. That's I guess that's what I'm hoping is that we're, we're and we're not we're not saviors in any ways. We're just starting the conversation. Yeah. Um, but helping as a total industry, us to be innovative rather than just sitting, you know, sitting on our backsides and hoping that people are going to buy our wine. Yeah, great conversation to start. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for starting it. Um, Angus, well done. Uh, we look forward to uh, to watching, you know, how the next one goes. And I'm sure there are people out there, as in producers, who who didn't know that they could send wine into this show, and they certainly will know for next year. So look forward to getting out and trying some, see what it's all about. Lovely, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. Enjoy we'll your get... afternoon, Angus. I will. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. Cheers. See you, mate. Bye. Uh, Angus Hewson from Wine Pilot. So Fascinating. Jump, yeah. Jump on and, um, and sign up to Wine Pilot too. You get, uh, uh, get all the news.